Hola. Hola. It's me, Jake. Jake Johansson. Oh, my goodness. It's uh, Thursday, the 27th. Is it the 27th? It's the 27th of May. Uh, we're rocketing towards June. The summer solstice, the longest day of the year, is less than a month away. Isn't that exciting? Um, I'm excited about it. I've got... Oh, you're here on time, Jen. Muchos gracias. I think you may be the first or the second person here, according to the number counter on the thingamajig. Um, so, yeah, it's good to see you. Uh, thank you for, thank you for your lovely email oh. trying to uh, buck me up. Uh, Amy, greetings. Oh, Amy, greetings to you. Keys, letting your pants wander in the backyard. Oh, time to wash those pants, Keys, when they can walk around on their own. Uh, Amy, greetings to you. Flavia, uh... Hello. Oh, you like the shirt? Yeah, my Kiwi. I think it's from a hardware store chain in uh, New Zealand. And uh, greetings, Carol. Rachel, happy second Thursday, first Friday. What the heck day is it? I don't. I don't know either. I don't know. I feel. I feel better. My mental health is better today than it was yesterday. Hey, it comes and goes. That's that's all I can tell you, Keith. Hello to you in Florida. Who am I to tell a Floridian about mental health? But did the email work? Hey, I'm here. Scoreboard. Um, yeah, I think so. Worked a bit. It was very touching. Makes me feel good to be connected to all of you guys. Uh, I, I don't know what was happening. We're just having a little bit of a... I'm having a little bit of a uh, crisis of uh, my career. And I, I, I get it. I, I mean, I'm accomplished. I know I can do shows. The question is, can I get somebody to book me? And if not... How will I be going out to get booked myself? I've been a little bit discouraged about my inability to secure a spot on stage here in Los Angeles yet. But uh, not all the clubs are open, and the spots are very limited, and uh, there's a lot of young people with a lot of spare time on their hands out there. When's the camper going to be ready, Keys? Uh, it's June 16th or 17th, I think, is the pickup. I think we're we're scheduled to pick it up on the 16th. We might actually pick it up on the 17th um, of June. We're going to be leaving, departing Los Angeles on June 11th uh, on our way up to Northern California to drop uh, our daughter at camp. And so there's going to be some tricky show scheduling around those times. There may be some times where we can't do a show. But for the most part, I'm going to try and do a show, and uh, maybe uh, we can think about what other times of day might be possible if you want to talk about that in the group chat um uh what did you say well if anyone here hears you on crisis in career oh <laughs> uh, oh i see that's you if anyone hears hears me on crisis in career it's you jen yeah no i get it you wish you could fall down the stairs into a job yeah don't we all don't we all uh belinda and i lady jerry and i were talking yesterday about our daughter and how well she's doing in school and how, you know, it seemed like there were less people getting A's when we were younger than there are now. But uh, I, I was saying, I know our daughter's working hard and she deserves the grades she's getting, but, um, oh, Keith, you're packing your RV for departure in the near future. Um, busting out of Florida, huh? Or are you going to be staying in Florida? RVing right around Florida 
it's nice going to all the different beaches. It's hotter than F in in F L A. Uh, I know you don't need the A when you're abbreviating Florida, but I like it. Uh, pick. Sorry you missed yesterday. You went to a fundraiser at a restaurant with people. Saw faces without masks. I know, Pick. It's crazy going out. Um, I went for a walk with Nigel today. We split a uh, we split we split the Clevelander sandwich here at Shoop's Deli down on Main Street. Uh, it's a corned beef. It's it's like it's basically a Reuben, but uh, they got some great uh, um, great corned beef in Cleveland. I, hopefully, I'll get back to see have that. Uh, Christopher, hey everyone. Looks like you have. Uh, more to catch up on later from the beginning again. Yeah, well, yeah, you never know. You never know. You never know how much you like the beginning when you come in in the middle, but uh, you can always go back and check it out. Look forward to going to see me live when uh, my first booking is. Gary, well, thank you. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm going... I've decided to go cart before the horse. I know I've been saying in here for a week or two that uh, I was going to get stage time make sure that I felt comfortable on stage and then schedule a week-long gig. But uh, I'm talking to my manager and after some of the frustrations of getting stage time in here in L.A. because things haven't opened up yet, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go out and put some gigs on the books for later in the fall at comedy clubs and then just count on being able to get the stage time to get up and get ready for that. Um, I think that's what's going to happen. Then again, I don't. We all have to face the fact that the only thing for sure is change, and who knows if the things we thought were going to happen are actually going to happen. Now, usually, um, I would have put the bookmark in the ancient aliens in the Bible in the place where, oh God, um, where I knew. So the daily briefing. This is where we left off last week. So now, this week on. Ancient Aliens in the Bible. Are you ready for this? I hope so. Oh, man. So, uh, here we go. So, I've been reading this uh, book, and, and it, now and now we're kind of going back over some of the things that we like. The original setup of the uh, Ancient Aliens in the Bible. Um, <laughs> you're this close to getting on the phone and getting your book somewhere, Jen. Well, hold off. Uh, let's go over your script, your phone script. <laughs> And uh, let's uh, let's target who you're going to be calling, because I do have a manager doing that. But maybe you guys can work together. <laughs> oh, you were born ready, rich, excellent. Um, so, a lot of what's going on now in in the ancient aliens in the Bible is we're being uh, reiterated. Uh, I mean, the whole point is that the Bible, the Bible, Bible, is actually not talking about God, a uh, supernatural being in outer space, but uh, the gods are actually these Anunnaki uh, aliens from their planet that have come to Earth just to do a catch-up. Last, for, uh, formerly on the Bible, not formally, uh, previously on ancient aliens in the Bible, uh, we learned that the Anunnaki are here to get gold, to mine gold, so that they can restore the atmosphere on their home planet, and that human beings uh, were being bred and genetically altered and then they created some lady human beings, Eves, in order to breed with the altered uh, Adam human beings. And then the Anunnaki found them hot. Anyway, the Anunnaki are the angels. So these two angels arrive in Sodom, 
near sunset, at which time they're greeted by Lot. Now, we've been over this in the Bible Bible, the children's Bible, and it, do, it doesn't really uh, cover it quite in quite this much detail, but evidently the angels show up in uh, Sodom, and they visit Lot, who's a decent guy, brings him into his house, they're having dinner. The people of the town, Sodom, these are some real party-hardy gangster bikers. I mean, it seems like Sodom is just full of uh, crazy prison gang biker guys, not to disparage prison gang biker guys, if there's any watching, but uh, Lot's actions um, uh, demonstrate that these angels are not spiritual beings, but individuals who walk and uh, take time and effort getting from one place to another, because when Lot sees the angels, he's super glad to see them, runs up, gives them a foot bath, and bites them in to have some dinner, and then while they're inside, as, we co- as covered in the uh, Bible, the angels... Uh, the townspeople outside gather around, and uh, and they're out, and it's a frenzied crowd. As the angel bedded down for the night in Lot's house, a frenzied crowd, a frenzied crowd encircled Lot's home, calling for the two guests, the angels, to be handed over for some good old-fashioned sexual abuse. That's a direct quote from Ancient Aliens in the Bible. So, so the townspeople show up and they want to rape these angels in Lot's house. And Lot refused to give up the angels and instead, this part I don't think was really covered in the uh, the children's Bible, instead Lot offered his two virgin daughters <laughs> in place of the angels. But the people of Sodom were lusting after the angels and tried to break down the door and get a hold of them. They were like, no, thank you. I get it. Normally, we would love this offer of your two virgin daughters. Very generous. Uh, but we really are hankering for some angel ass right now. Um, so then um, the angels got rid of the pesky lynch mob with a very strange and highly advanced weapon. And then there's some, um, no, Lot is not exactly father of the year, Keys. Uh, I mean, this is, I, I think uh, God or the Anunnaki certainly appreciate how, you know, the boss is over for dinner, and when the neighbors want to want to rape the boss, you offer to send out your virgin daughters. No, that's some bad parenting right there. Uh, and it doesn't really say what Lot's wife has to say about this, but spoiler alert, it doesn't go well for Lot's wife. Uh so after being struck with sudden blindness, the people in the crowd uh, give up trying to break into the house and rape the angels. So the angels do some, uh, it's like some flashbang grenade uh, that blinds the crowd, and they don't, they avoid getting raped. And also, it's a double happy, it's a win-win. Lot's daughters also do not get raped. Um, but the point of this story is uh, that these are the Anunnaki uh, they're walking, they're getting tired, they need rest, they're dirty, they need to wash up, they drink, they eat, decide where to spend the night, um, getting into fights that are won by technological means. All of these are impressive feats uh, for uh, immaterial objects. In other words, if they were really angels, you wouldn't see this type of uh, thing going on. If they were really spiritual ne- beings instead of actual flesh and blood, although alien, alien flesh and blood... Not, 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 uh, not earthly flesh and blood. These Anunnaki angels. Uh, in the Book of Judges, there's a story of an angel who refused to eat any food prepared for him by the future parents of Samson after he revealed that they were going to have a child favored by the Elohim, which are 
the uh, that's the Bible word for the Anunnaki. Uh, after dropping this bombshell on the family, the angel refused to reveal his name and then ascended to the heavens in an act of terrifying levitation. But not really, because they can fly. These aliens, they've got flying... I don't know if they're flying boots or um, jetpacks or how they get back to their ship, but he, he's, he's no thank... After, when, you brought, when you drop the news on a, on a nice, sweet family that they're about to have a baby that's the result of some kind of alien impregnation uh, it's good advice not to eat anything they want to serve you for snacks after that just in case there's any kind of poison revenge motive going on um, are these the actions of an ascending non-physical spiritual being or the actions of a being much more technologically equipped like having the ability to fly off in a spaceship Ah, uh, to the humans of earth the presence of angels often struck up fear no kidding because back then we we're not able to fly around. We didn't have jetpacks, which we barely have now. Certainly, we don't have rocket boots yet. Although, I have been, I'll admit, to one of the things that I do online after the show while I'm trying to dub it over into the audio version for the podcast. I'll watch some things on YouTube and stuff. Somehow, I've gone down the rabbit hole. First, it was the uh, van conversions, which I'm still an advocate of van conversions and solar generators. I've got the solar generator sitting right there, which I could... Uh, I'll show you that as we get ready for the truck trip. I can show you all the gear that I've got to put in the camper. But uh, now I've been watching videos about uh, electric uh, electric unicycles. That's all you need to know. Just get out there, type that into Google, and uh, get ready. See see what you think about that. I've got an electric. I'm thinking about selling my electric bike because I bought a regular pedal bike, and se- selling the electric bike, seeing if I can buy an electric unicycle, because. Uh, I'm having trouble knocking my teeth out with the currently with just the regular bike and the jujitsu. <laughs> anyway, uh, we do have electric unicycles. We do not have rocket boots. However, according to two kings, 1935, the Lord sent angels to protect uh, Palestine, and they ended up wiping out all 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. This is to help out the Israelites the Jewish people, the chosen people, chosen by who? The Anunnaki. Knock, knock. Who's there? The Anunnaki. Uh, Anunnaki who? Elohim. Jackass. Read your Bible. Okay. In the first book of Chronicles, angels terrified David's family as they hovered between the earth and the sky near his simple village barnyard. So, uh, angels are all, angels, the Anunnaki are all, they're flying around. They're in space. They're not, they're not floating like ethereal beings. They're actual alien flesh and blood flying around these were skills uh, these were skills purely spiritual beings would have no use for um, right and uh, <laughs> and then there's a there's one in here where uh, Azazel the, an angel teaches men how to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates in other words they're sharing some of their rudimentary I could, we, they can't show us how to make the rocket boots until well, I don't know we don't know yet, but hopefully soon they'll show us how to make the rocket boots. But right back then, they were showing us how to make shields and breastplates. Uh, teaching lowly men these secrets pissed off the other angels as they pleaded to the Lord to put an end to this angelic rebel uprising. So the angels, some of the angels are teaching us new tricks and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, this adds weight to the argument that these angels were physical beings and related to or in service of the heavenly Elohim's a.k.a. the Anunnaki. Um, 
a.k.a. Eloy and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name right off the top of my head, but I feel like I've done a pretty good job on this week's Alien a- Ancient Aliens in the Bible. Next week, uh, we're going to be talking about the many-faced God. We're going to be talking about, uh, it starts off by this guy, Mar- Mauro Biglino, uh, who used to work for the Vatican, for, for reals. And when I say used to, I mean he recently used to. Um, so we're going to get into that, but that's next week on Ancient Aliens of the Bible. I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> All right. How come the aliens are so unsocial today? Well, um, either they've got all the gold they want, or they're they're not so keen. You know, why would you buy the cow when you could get the milk for free? On the other hand, once they get tired of having sex with all the Eves, they're off to some other planet to to have sex with their their ladies. Um, oh, the shirt, the tattooed arms—that's not part of the shirt. The tattooed arms are the are these uh, tattoo sleeve sun sleeves that that just go on so uh yeah the the i I bought some of these tattoo sleeves Uh, instead of sunscreen i've decided maybe i'm gonna wear the tattoo sleeves or maybe i'm gonna be getting some tattoo maybe i'm gonna be getting some tattoos uh who knows um you really expected jetpacks by 1999 pick i don't know when i thought we were getting jetpacks but i asked my my mom for a jetpack when i was like uh, 10 or 11 years old and she said I, I don't think we have those but of course I was watching Johnny Quest and they had them on Johnny Quest and so I was I was ready for that Bob you're late long day working since 5 a.m. oh my god I hope nobody drove a golf, golf cart into a pond again and I and I really am sorry that you you came in uh, in the middle of ancient aliens in the Bible since this is your jam as they say your sister rides a unicycle that she's had for 40 years. Wow, Bob, a unicycle, but is it not an electric unicycle? Um, uh, the electric unicycle could be a bonus for my stand-up. I don't, I don't know uh, because it's not, it's not as impressive as a regular unicycle on stage. If you're riding a regular, regular unicycle on stage and doing your act, drinking water or juggling. That's impressive. I don't think the electric one... You don't really... First of all, you don't sit on it. You kind of stand on it. Anyway, you'll see when you start Googling later. Have I ever looked into getting a one-wheel? Gary, yes, I did think about the one-wheel. I, I know for a fact that I can hurt my coccyx with a skateboard. And a one-wheel is close enough to a skateboard that uh, that I was I was uh, scared, scared. Much feared danger. Much, much feared danger in the uh, keister is is what I was thinking about the one wheel and all the electric skateboards but I thought maybe this uh, electric unicycle which seems less dangerous in some ways and more dangerous in other ways they have electric unicycles that go over 50 miles an hour which is too fast I feel like on my electric bike if I get up to on my bike bike if I get up to 20 20, 22 miles an hour, that's fast. That's fast enough. I mean, cars, it freaks them out. Um, but yeah, the one wheel could knock my teeth out pretty well. You're right, Gary. Going by the uh, going by my original criteria of wanting the electric unicycle, you are correct. And uh, really, there's so many ways that I could accomplish that goal if that was my only goal. Um, but you're right. 
Do I try my m- new material out on Lady Jerry? Rachel, sometimes, well, I feel like the way, uh, the short, the, no, uh, the, the answer is no, yes, kind of. Um, so let me do that again. The answer is no, yes, kind of. So I guess in a sense, I, I'm, I'm not a guy who has a joke idea and then tries that out on people when I'm walking around because uh, that's a comedian behavior that I don't find charming and uh, really not many people do but uh, I do sometimes say something funny to Lady Jerry or a friend and then I make a note of it to then kind of work on that and then try it out on stage later so I don't try material out on her or my other friends but I sometimes discover material and then this is the thing sometimes people meet a comedian and they go oh um you don't seem that funny. Well, of course, I'm not doing my act then, but every once in a while I do say something funny, and then uh, that's an opportunity for me to uh, remember that and use it later in my stage act. Uh, Bob, you're saying 50 miles an hour on a unicycle is ex- insane. It is insane. And pe- and so when you watch these videos, as I know you will on YouTube when we're finished here today, um, they're going 50 miles an hour, and they're wearing motorcycle jackets. So the unicycle is, is basically a wheel that's about this tall, and then it's got pedals that stick out just below the central ax- axle. And you stand on the pedals and lean forward and back, and that's how you go forward and back. So there's people, they stand up on the unicycle, lean forward like this, and just take off, um, just zooming. So, so so the people look standing like look like they're standing into the wind and they're wearing full on motorcycle helmet, full face helmet <laughs> in case you fall off that damn thing and often motorcycle jackets, gloves and wrist guards and the whole work. So um once I saw that it seemed like uh I don't think that's not so that's not so exciting to me. I I could I could consider going 15 18 miles an hour. Um but this is a person who's never done it. If there was a place that I could rent a electric unicycle or that sold them near here, the, the closest place I could find is in San Diego where they sell them. So I'm going to call and see if I drove down there, if they let me try one. And then, but, you know, we'll see. Who knows? I'm sure that some can give you a, give you a, a, a electric unicycle, um, lesson. You're saying the riding lawnmower world championships, <laughs> they get over 80 miles per hour. Yeah. And you don't, and you're not getting a good lawn. You're not going to get a good uh, lawn mow at 80 miles an hour. Uh, I, I can tell you that. I was, uh, my father told me that when I was young. You know, you can't, you can't be going super fast, especially around the corners. Once you get that lawn mower up on two wheels, you're not getting an even cut. Um, <laughs> Flavia, yes, they do expect comedians. Sometimes they expect you to be form, performing all the time, or, or, or when someone says, "Well, you don't seem that funny," it's just like, "Hey, we're, we're having a conversation." If you stop talking and I just do my act, maybe you'll think I'm more funny. But I'm not going to do that because scoreboard. I'm not getting paid. I'm not at work. Uh, Eric, do you? I get nervous when I go on national TV, or have I been doing this long enough that I'm totally comfortable? Um, yeah, Eric, I would say uh, it's sort of in between that. I would say I'm comfortable on TV. I'm not getting nervous like I'm afraid, but I'm getting excited because it's a big deal. So I'm excited because it's a big deal, and sometimes. If I'm doing a corporate gig or some weird gig that uh, where the circumstances are a little less common, you know, if it's outdoors or there's a bowling alley or we're in the middle of some crawfish festival, 
Uh, I've never performed at a crawfish festival. Uh, I might I might be a little more not nervous but kind of excited apprehensive or more kind of tuned in or uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is just invigorated uh, but but not super nervous usually excited although now that I haven't performed for a, over a year I definitely the I, I was just talking to Nigel when we were having our sandwich today and he was saying yeah before he went on stage he was nervous and I said yeah I feel nervous too I think that's part of what's going on with me is I'm kind of a little bit apprehensive what's going to be like when I go on stage and what he said was uh, you go on stage and then you're nervous before you go on because it's been so long since you've been on but then you get up there and you realize oh this is familiar this is where I I know what I know how to do this part um, <laughs> it's the off stage before you get on where you're like what's it going to be like what's it going to be like and then you get up there and you go oh right this and then you just do it at least that was his his um, Rachel follow up question: Do I keep track of how jokes land in front of an audience um, to know whether or not to retire them or not use them? Because you'd imagine reactions can vary between audiences depending on where you are. Yeah, reactions do vary. They react. They vary from night to night, and town to town, and show to show. Uh, and so I feel like you get an idea over time how a certain uh, joke or punchline is going to perform like some of them are all star you know they're always getting that 8, 9, 10 out of 10 response and other jokes they're they're getting <clears throat> a smaller response from the overall, overall crowd but you know Steve Martin and Jay Leno are both at the school of like if it's if the joke's not getting a 9 or a 10 in the laugh meter you need to throw it out and I would say uh, if there's something that I enjoy that I think is particularly funny that's getting a good response and sometimes it gets uh, gets up there in the 7, 8, but, but a lot of times it's even a 5, 6. If it's something that I really love or think is clever or it's a smaller part of a bigger thing, I leave it in because a lot of times something that I really like, someone in the audience, it may not on the whole, on average, be a 9 or 10 response, but to the people who are laughing at it, which make it seem like it's a 5 or 6 response, to those people, it's actually a 10. And so it is when you can get rid of something like that that's idiosyncratic or quirky um, that they really like, that I really like, um, it undermines the overall deal. And so I still... So I that so I'm kind of judging my act about how well it's representing what I think is funny and what I think is funny about what I'm talking about and making a point and and the silliness factor. Like sometimes you say something that's not a giant response, but it's a, but it keeps it silly. If you're talking about something where you might get into trouble with the crowd, like a it's a joke about a political thing that they might not agree with, but then you say something silly. It gets a smaller laugh, but it gives people the message that, hey, look, I'm not taking this super serious, and so you don't need to fight me. <laughs> I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to get in fights a lot of times. Um, so Lady Jerry is okay with it as long as it's electric and not gas. Scott is asking the unicycle. No, Lady Jerry doesn't know anything about the unicycle idea. She's and she doesn't watch this show. Go figure. She's been, she's busy. She's got other things to do. She helps me in other ways, and I help her in other ways. But yeah, she only watches the show when she's on it next to me. Then she hears. She doesn't even hear the parts of the show. If she was to walk in right now, she would never. She wouldn't know. Uh, do I have a minimum capacity expectation demand before I'll agree to do a show? Well, Jen, yeah, it's not because Ouija had. Uh, 
emailed me about Alaska and asked, like, how many people do you need in the audience to do a show? And it's it's got to do with, obviously, you don't want to do a show for six people or 20 people. But I would say, if it's over 50 people, that can still be a really nice show. You prefer that they don't all know each other, because then that can be a weird dynamic. But I think the ideal the ideal crowd side is is uh, somewhere between 150 and 300, and then the amount of money that I would be looking to make for the show, you know, because because I got to pay for the airfare, I got to pay for the hotel. If you're talking about something that we're going to produce at some venue, you know, you you got to pay somebody. F- the other act who's going to be on the bill and maybe some Facebook ads and all that. So you have to get that budget right. And then what do I want to take home for myself? Um, you know, I'm not going to say a dollar amount right now, but at uh, at 20 bucks a ticket, if I'm able to take home the full purse or close to that full amount, if we had 100 people, that would be that would be a doable situation if I could string a couple of those together to be able to cover the expenses of everybody and get everybody there I think I could make it work at that and that would be considered small but again it's hard to keep all two thousand dollars of that uh, under my control to spend on the actual show because the venue wants to get paid sometimes and sometimes there's someone else who's promoting it or producing it or putting it in that room or booking something they all want a slice of that so that's that's why if you can make a deal with a music venue or something like that where they're going to make um, money off the bar sales, they're not so concerned about uh, giving the door away if you're able to promote it and get people in there. But again, then you're, now you're back to some of that money that you're looking to make off those 100 tickets at $20 each. You're going to have to spend back in advertising or flyers or that kind of stuff to get people in there. Plus, then you get your hotel for a night or two, and then you got your airfare. So anyway spreadsheets you've got to love them um no brown m&ms and a spread that includes kiwis are some of the demands that you can imagine yeah i'm not so much with the kiwis backstage i do like uh, i do like a banana backstage but uh i think if i had to hit you know i'm fine with a cheeseburger and some tater tots or a chicken sandwich and some tater tots or some nachos i'm you know i'm pretty simple backstage just get a little snack um you know, have some, have a coffee before, and a beer, or a Jim Beam, and well, it's whatever kind of brown, bourbony, scotchy drink after the show. That's nice, vodka soda. Something, you know, it's not too picky. Um, <laughs> at the very least, meals. Yeah, well, we can go out after the show too. We can have a pizza party after the show. Uh, I can't eat pizza every night. That's uh, I tried that, and it doesn't work doesn't work so well yeah Flavia I'm low maintenance I'm low maintenance and that that works great because uh, I'm surrounded by higher maintenance people Uh, let's not name names Um, oh the show's gone a little long today went a little shorter yesterday went a little longer today I didn't see this coming Um, you guys are also low maintenance thank you for being here today it is time now for seize the day and don't forget we'll be back tomorrow for the Friday happy half hour. I don't have any show plans for that, but of course it's usually a hang. Um, so we'll see. Yes, Christopher, the No Browns M&M, Brown M&M's is an interesting story. I can't remember the band, but I want to say was it Van Halen? Um, 
But yeah, the brown, no brown M and M's story is an interesting story. The reason they put that in the writer was because if they saw brown M and M's backstage, they knew maybe they hadn't read the complete writer, and that they they the band, which I I wanted to say was Van Halen, but it may not have been. Um, the they had weights and effects and things that if they hadn't read the writer, it was going to be very uh, very dangerous. It is Van Halen. Thank you. Um, that that if that if they hadn't read the writer, maybe they didn't have the weight stage bracing under the stage correct, or the light or the lighting or the safety effects for the flash stuff that they were doing. Uh, so anyway, um, it's not that it's not that they hated the brown M and M's. They wanted to know whether or not the person read the writer, and then you get there early in the day, you see those brown M and M's, and you know, okay, let's get the let's get the contract out and take a look. Um, all right, now it's time for Seize the Day. Now it's time for Seize the Day. Uh, seize the Day, and today's Seize the Day is from Red Skelton. I picked this one out yesterday. Today's Seize the Day is from Red Skelton, and I remember watching Red Skelton on TV when I was a boy, if you can believe it. Live by this credo. Have a little laugh at life. And look around you for happiness instead of sadness. Red, are you talking to me? Laughter has always brought me out of unhappy situations. Red Skelton. Live by this credo. Have a little laugh at life and look around you for happiness instead of sadness. Laughter has always brought me out of unhappy situations. Um, it seems oversimplistic, but try it. <laughs> try it. If you're unhappy, try some laughs. Thank you guys very much. Rachel has a little note here at the bottom for me. Thank you, Jake, for all of the laughter that you bring us. And I hope, uh, I hope that that is. I hope, I hope we've had some laughs during this uh, pandemic. I hope you all had a laugh today. I hope, I hope you're all learning about the truth from the ancient aliens in the Bible. And if you have time before next week, I suggest that you uh, you Google Mauro M A U R O. Biglino, B-I-G-L-I-N-O, and you can see his booth book about. He's he's written a book about the aliens in the Bible, and he was uh, worked for the Vatican translating uh, ancient texts. Spoiler alert for next week in ancient aliens in the Bible. Uh, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Thank you for taking care of me. Uh, don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later, and. Uh, Look before you leap. Uh, and that applies to stairs, up or down. All right, see you tomorrow. Check this. <laughs>